Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, we've now had two weeks in a row where we recorded a whole podcast on Rice's upcoming game, only to have it be canceled after the after the episode posted. So hopefully third time's the charm, I guess. Uh, it doesn't sound like North Texas is having any COVID problems right now, and as far as we know, Rice isn't either. So uh, as of Wednesday night at 8 p.m. when we're recording this, uh, things seem like they're going okay, but you never know at this point, because 2020, y'all. We're trying. We've we've progressively had to push the podcast back further and further in the week because, you know, do you remember back this summer where every like three minutes some terrifying COVID news nugget was dropping and things were null and void? By the time we got to the season, we're like, oh, we're good. Football's back. You know, nothing's going to change <laughs> between Sunday and uh, Wednesday. <laughs> sweet summer children. Uh, what What was the high point of this entire like, was it like? August, the beginning of August, college football coming back. Rice announces they're coming back. Like, is that the honeymoon period? And now we're in the middle of Groundhog Day. Yeah. Or at least it feels sure like feels it. feels like it. We'll get there. Oh, man. Yeah. So plenty to talk about. So first uh, couple of things. Uh, do go ahead and uh, rate, review and subscribe. If you like the show, tell us. Don't tell us. Well, tell us what you think about it, but tell your friends and uh, all the other Rice fans that you know. Um, that would be great. I saw we were up to uh, 4.7 on iTunes. Okay. Which okay. we're climbing up. We'll get back to how I don't know. There's someone who can do math. Leave the math of how many new five star reviews we need to get back to five on average. Or, you know, 4.9, whatever. Yeah, we'll get there. Their, their roundup threshold is. This is a Rice podcast. We can do it. So uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, if you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe on Patreon. One of the uh, silver linings of not having any football is Rice has been okay from a COVID perspective. So there's been lots of things going on. So uh, whether or not it's injury updates or uh, the film room pieces that Carter has been putting out on the opponents that Rice has not yet played but might play, uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And uh, we're certainly continuing to plow through and, and get as much football content uh, as we can. And that also includes, if you haven't checked out myself and um, former Rice quarterback, excuse me, uh, Taylor McCarg, uh, he and I are doing the Inside the Hedges live stream going up on Wednesday nights. If you want to join us there, pop in, send some questions in, talk about Rice football. Hopefully the games that are going to be happening uh, please do and, and join us there. So that's a whole lot of th ways to say that uh, football games are not on Saturday. We're still going to be here. <laughs> We're still going to be doing the podcast and, and fingers crossed and, and doing everything we can to uh, prepare you for uh, what is to happen. Well, we can at least prepare you for the football part. You <laughs> might need, I don't know, a strong beverage or something else to get you through the rest. Yeah. Or two. The holidays are coming up, so. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, so as of now, Rice is on for this weekend. We did have a couple of different CUSA games already postponed or canceled. It's hard to know what what verb to pick at this point, because before you could just say postponed. But now we're getting to the point where probably not all of these games are going to get played. Yes. So, so 
officially here are the game we'll say this here are the games not happening <laughs> this weekend uh uab and utep and i'm really bummed about this one because i think we mentioned it on the podcast last week they were had originally been scheduled to play i believe in el paso but el paso is having very serious covid issues at the moment and so they moved that game to midland but because of the high school football schedule they couldn't get a day or a night game so it was kicking off at like 10 a.m friday morning in midland which and just would have been like peak, i need just like wonderful. can that happen in a regular season i just want to watch a college football game at 10 a.m on a friday in a high school stadium yeah like we already do maction midweek like why not have a friday morning game yeah, why not midday like let's take we do the it next during step. bowl season it works yeah so maybe put that in the you know there's some things that you know i hope stick around most of 2020 we can do away with but there's a couple silver linings i'd be i'd be completely okay with random friday morning football games that would be great so but we don't get it because 2020 so that one's off uh charlotte and marshall also this weekend uh, not being played and then ULM and Louisiana Tech also not being played. Um, it's interesting because you mentioned the uh, verb choice of postponed versus canceled. So up until this point, what had been happening pretty much across the country was we'll just postpone it and then we'll put it, tack it on to the end of the season. And those games were basically be paying, being played December 5th and December 12th. Well, We've run out of open days on December 5th and December 12th. So what everybody has uh, done so far, and I think the SEC put out an official release to this effect this week, is they're pushing everything back to December 19th, which uh, uh, Brian Fisher, who uh, co co covers college football, did a, uh, a really interesting, uh, he pulled together this list. Uh, he's over at Athlon. He said, here's the potential schedule we're looking at for December 19th. So that could be the uh, Big Ten, SEC, ACC, AAC, Big 12, Mountain West, and Sunbelt Conference Championship Games. Well, and isn't the CUSA Championship game now scheduled for that Friday? Right, the day before. So he so didn't he, even do the whole weekend. <laughs> no, this is just the 19th, because also on the 19th, the Big Ten announced that they're doing the, the tiers. So second place in each division plays each other third place, fourth place. So you have six Big Ten games on top of that. You're already going to have five Pac-12 games on top of that. The ACC and the SEC are doing their makeup games on that day for whoever needs to go past December 12th. Uh, there's going to be at least two NFL games on that day. And bowl season is underway with the Frisco Bowl, which should be a, a CUSA team playing in the Frisco Bowl. As of right now, that's what's scheduled. So uh, we're about to run into a situation where we we can't postpone things to December 19th anymore because December 19th is full. <laughs> well, and like, what do you do? Like, OK, Rice can replace the Marshall game currently scheduled with one of the West Division games. It's just had postponed in the last two weeks, but you can't. That's it. There's not another like, and even it, if you, it gets really interesting. I, I I see you puzzling. I'm going to throw another grenade at your puzzle. <laughs> um, so December nineteenth. So 
or the 18th pick it Friday, Saturday, Friday at 10 a.m. If we want uh, the teams that don't play in the conference championship game on the evening, or I guess that is the time been announced. But the, regardless, on the 18th, the teams that don't play in the conference championship game, they just can't play that weekend because Conference USA bowl game tie-ins with the bowl season starting include bowls on the Frisco Bowl on December 19th and then bowls on the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and uh, New Year's Eve on the 31st. So if you have a team play on that Friday, say, or even that Thursday, you'd have less than a week turnaround, potentially like four days before you have to go play your bowl game. Sure, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Everything seems it's like <laughs> you want to go with the puzzle metaphor. This is like I'm I'm trying to put together a jigsaw puzzle where the the pieces don't fit. And then you come along and take an actual jigsaw and slice them up even more. <laughs> and uh, what what's worse is the uh, the box that someone gave you to base it off is the wrong box. So. <laughs> and also the box is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> So who knows what's going to happen? I can tell you right now that uh, North Texas is the team that Rice is scheduled to play this coming weekend. As we already mentioned, the UTEP game is off because of COVID issues at UAB and the Louisiana Tech game also off because of COVID issues with their opponent at Monroe. So theoretically, if... Rice is okay, and we hear a that terrible uh, announcement on Thursday or Friday, and Louisiana Tech and UTEP are free. Rice is already prepped for Louisiana Tech. You were going to get on a bus and drive to Denton. You could easily just get on that bus and head a little bit further east to, to Ruston. I mean, why not? Like, so we all got to be flexible here. Bloomberg You're already has prepped said for him anyway. He doesn't want to do that, but uh, <laughs> but you know. That might not be all. <laughs> we're we're so far pl- past Plan A right now. We're like the uh, the hurricane oh, yeah. season where we've used all the name storms and we're going into Greek letters. <laughs> we're on Plan Omicron right now. <laughs> I don't what I don't even know what an Omicron is. This is. <laughs> I, ch- I was trying to pick the most obscure Greek letter I could think of. This is good. I'm gonna have to. I'm, you know, we gotta learn something. Omicron. There you go. Apparently in a electrics corporation or the 15th letter of the Greek alphabet. There you go. Learn all sorts of stuff. That's where we're at with this football season, folks. So as of right now, uh, we're going to keep going with the season as currently scheduled and we will uh, keep you posted. What really matters at this point is we don't know how many opportunities Rice is going to get, but there are no undefeated teams left in CUSA West. So... All Rice needs to do is win the opportunities that they get. So <laughs> that might be four more games. It might be five. Uh, it won't might be, be eight. Three. It might be one. <laughs> which, uh, it, which I guess brings us to. And here's my my just 2020 strange stat for this upcoming matchup with North Texas. So the last opponent that Rice played was October 24th. It was Middle Tennessee. Or, sorry, the first opponent Rice played was October 24th against Middle Tennessee. The weekend prior to that, while Rice was still in fall camp, North Texas played Middle Tennessee on October 17th. October 17th, that was North Texas's last game because they haven't played since. 
That was five weeks ago. And they've been trying. 2020. It's not like they were one of these teams that like had three games scheduled in September and then just packed it in like they were North Dakota State or something. Uh, but yeah, I feel like we're running out of ways to say this whole thing is weird. But uh, yeah, and I've uh, if you uh, if you want to go and look, I've, I've gone up on the site because at one point I was like, I can just put this in a tweet and then it didn't fit in a tweet. So. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man. What what are we going to do, Carter, when we get to, like, next year and we're just talking about, like, just breaking down X's and O's just like like you would normally? Are we going to? I don't know. Maybe we'll get there. But that said, uh, yeah, if you do go up on the, the, the site, there's a sidebar on the top right corner. You can go ahead and, and click and, and have the full list of postponed uh, Conference USA games with uh, the... I didn't know how to put this. I, I said who was responsible self or opponent. So offending, <laughs> offending party. So is what it is. But yeah, so North Texas, they're uh, they've been uh, cold for a while, which is something we wondered about coming into the season with Rice, whether or not it was better to have the extended break and be healthy, uh, which Rice really wasn't healthy. <laughs> Uh, or have the uh, the game wraps. So so far, Rice is just off of like a a mega buy, like short bowl prep, and North Texas is back to. Uh, we played football at one point, right? Yeah. Uh. So so I don't know. Maybe we'll get a reversal of that that Middle Tennessee game where uh, Rice has the benefit of having played. Uh. No, I can't even say this month because their last game was on was on Halloween. Uh, within yes. the last three weeks. Anyway, North Texas. They're kind of like a lot of CUSA teams this year. They're pretty good on offense, can score a whole lot of points. They're very bad on defense. They uh even even their two wins this year have been a fifty two thirty five win over Middle Tennessee, as as referenced their last game over a month ago. And a what was it, sixty-six to thirty-eight over Houston Baptist or something like that? It was it was ugly. That's what it was. That that sounds about right, though. Uh, also, like several other CSA teams, they've kind of had a revolving door at quarterback. Uh, we do think it is going to be Jason Bean on Saturday, which actually worries me a little because he is a very effective runner and has been. Pretty good as a passer, albeit on like a very, very limited sample size. Like they have they have used him more as a runner. He only has 44 passes on the season. And and some of that's not from not playing as much as, as Austin on. I don't actually know how to say his name. The I other think, guy. I think it's Oni. But okay. yeah, you know, <laughs> we're um, all trying at this point. But Bean is averaging like 9.7 yards per attempt and has six touchdowns on his among his 44 passes, which is pretty good. Um, the thing they do on offense is they utilize Bean a lot as a runner and they'll they're generally in 11 personnel. So they make you devote resources to the run and then they spread their wide receivers all the way out as wide as you can possibly go so that. You have to commit resources to stop the run and and match up with their blockers. And because the splits are so wide, you basically can't have any players that are trying to have it both ways. Like you can't play coverages where you're it's hard for your safeties to impact against both the run and the pass. 
um, your like your your nickel corners, your guys that you have in the slot can't come in and play the run as well. So you're almost forced to play single coverage on the outside, and that usually gives them one-on-one matchups, mostly in the slot, but not always, for Jalen Darden, who has 10 touchdowns in five games, which leads the country and is, what, top 10 in receiving yards despite only having played five games? So uh, it's, it's a conundrum when you face this offense. Yeah, I was I was looking at it earlier and because I, I was do, when I was doing the preview, actually, and, and putting it together for the site, I, I wrote everything out and I got to 10 touchdowns and I was like, man, haven't they like not played in a month? I was like, how many how many games? Wait, so you're telling me that Jalen Darden had 10 touchdowns before Rice played a football game? Yep. That's just it's 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 insane and and he's he's it's it's not just you know throw it deep and let him run under, under that he he can do that he's very very quick and talented but he's averaging almost 10 catches per game and no everybody else on the offense is averaging like maybe two or three and so it's one of those things where you know we're sitting there and you know you put together the film room you're like oh they throw the ball to Jalen Darden a lot but you can sit there on your couch without having any intention to break down any film. And you just kind of notice that the ball keeps going to Darden on keeps just about the number one, every play. And you know it, and I know it. And I, I guarantee you rice defensive coordinator, Brian Smith knows it. And somehow or some way he's going to catch the ball 10 times this weekend. You just have to make sure it's with lots of bodies between him and the end zone and that he doesn't get any room and space to work. Yeah, this is going to be a real test for Rice's secondary, for the corners especially, because they're going to have a lot of, like, I have some confidence that Rice can stop the run without devoting too much to the box. Like, they, you know, this is a really good front, despite what some North Texas running backs may say. Uh, So, I think they'll be able to stop the run, but, you know, having been in there does muck up things even more for that because you know having the having to account for the quarterback makes the numbers even sketchier but um regardless they're going to get a lot of reps where bean is essentially in one on or bean where darden is in one-on-one coverage on the outside and you need somebody who can match match up with him and it's uh it's gonna be tough uh so but we we will i will say we do have some I don't know if you're allowed to have good news in 2020. Maybe a uh, cautiously optimistic news. Can we can we couch it that way? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we we talked about it a little bit last week, uh, but it, it does look like it's going to be a, you know assuming there is a game official uh, that Rice is going to have some reinforcements back in the secondary. So it's still going to be uh, as far as I can tell, Miles McCord and Treshawn Devones as the starting corners for Rice, but we did get back on the practice field this week, and I guess towards the end of last week, uh, Andrew Bird and Jason White at, at the corner spots, and then probably more importantly uh, for Rice in, in, at the safety spot, Kirk Lockhart is back, and so is Treshawn Chamberlain. So you, uh, Southern Miss has has some, some weapons, and I, I guess had a quarterback before Rice knocked him out. Uh, but, you know, if they were able to do pretty well 
against Southern Miss. I, I'm encouraged, uh, but I, I don't know if, you know, Tim Jones has quite the athleticism um, or the uh, the run after the catch ability uh, of Darden. So it's certainly going to be nice. You know, it's nice that you can keep a team out of the end zone with your third or fourth string secondary. But if you have the choice to have the first string back, well, I guess first and a half, we still Naeem Smith is probably trending uh, at least another week or two or three, who knows? And George Nyquil seems to be a bit longer. We don't have any timetables, but so starting secondary and a half, much better, especially on the outside of the corner spots to, uh, to deal with Darden and uh, the North Texas pass catchers. Yeah. And I will say, I don't, it's the sort of thing where as long as rice can stay pretty tight with these guys. And the good thing about it is like, this makes things simple, right? You don't, you're not going to have to play a lot of exotic coverages um, when teams spread out that much, like it's a real advantage. But part of the reason that not everybody does that is it really limits what kind of routes you can run and what kind of throws you can make. So you're going to be pretty simple in a sense because it's just, you know, stick on your guy and don't let him run by you. And as long as they can stick in close coverage, like I don't think Bean is that polished of a passer. I think he's benefited a lot from them being able to get those matchups and from Darden essentially being able to get open all the time. Like he's not the sort of guy who's going to make really like laser targeted throws into tight coverage. So like if you can stick on your man and force Bean to make like a really great, like he's really physically gifted, like the play I highlighted um, to Darden, uh, one of one of the touchdown passes to him in the middle Tennessee game Bean had a man right in his face and couldn't step into throw, but pulled a very like Mahomes like move where he just he like he didn't get to step in. He just sort of half turned and threw off his back foot and was generating all the velocity basically from just his arm and still got like a whole yeah. lot of a whole lot of juice on the ball downfield to Darden. And so he's got those physical traits, but his I don't know. I don't think he's like a really, really polished passer who's going to make these anticipatory throws into tight windows. So if you can force him to make really good throws, I think that can limit them a lot in the passing game. And then you can focus on devoting your resources to the run, which is what they're going to do more. And and you feel pretty good about Rice's chances to, to bottle him up in that sense. Yeah, I agree with that. It's something that I'm kind of curious about because I was kind of thinking through and the it for some for whatever reason it it seems that the the pocket passers have kind of struggled against rice in the past couple of years. They've been pretty good if if, if the guys aren't moving around uh, they have you know more or less kept them in in check. you know we saw that last week with Jack Abraham when he was healthy, but it's the mobile guys that have really given Rice a, a bit more trouble, but it's interesting because they they haven't really had much success on the ground. Uh, Asher O'Hara, you know, was able to kind of make plays and and create some opportunities, legs that's secondary, but he beat Rice with his arm, uh, getting out in space and making good throws, uh, particularly on the run. I was thinking about we 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 laughed a little bit last week about the Lowell Narcisse and the UTSA game and the you know worst case scenario uh, Narcisse actually had multiple touchdowns through the air in that game, uh, but 
you know, not accomplished passer, definitely more of a runner. But so I don't know what it is, what it is. And that's the part about being that it probably has me more nervous than anything else. Like, I don't think he is athletic, but I'm not I'm not really worried about him, you know, carving up this defense on the ground. I want to know, you know, if he puts the secondary uh, off schedule and, you know, has that broken play or opens things up where he has eluded that first wave of the rush and then people start thinking about what's he going to do next. That's the part where where I'm curious about um, and what he's going to do downfield, particularly if we're if we're still down uh, that those two starting safeties. Is that crazy? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. No, it and- is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not crazy. Um the the big thing for me here is I think that probably it's going to be a best defense is a good offense situation for Rice because I don't know I I think the North Texas offense is is going to be able to put some things together like if if they really shut down this offense I will be very very impressed so I think the real key for them is going to be to kind of do what what Mike Bloomgren has envisioned this team being able to do which is shorten the game, control the ball and and slow things down and, and grind drives out and give their defense a lot of rest and, and wear the other defense out. That dovetails well with what Rice has been able to do in its limited action thus far this season. We've talked at length about the the 15 play drives, the, the way they've been really efficient and just strung, strung drives together. Um, and also with the North Texas defense, which is the worst in the conference against the run, averaging like a, it's like 5.6 yards per carry, which is, very, very bad. So I will be, I think this will be a good opportunity for Rice to kind of flex those muscles. And I'm, I I hope they can, and I think they can really put together the kind of, of, of game on offense where they just are grinding drives out and, you know, going 11 plays, 75 yards, like like really, really drawing this out. And most importantly, cashing in on those because the thing that you set yourself up for when you do that is, you know, the impact of your mistakes is magnified. So if that's going to be the game plan, then I, I think it probably should be. And I have confidence in their ability to do that. But you can't turn the ball over. You can't end a drive on a penalty and, and give give the other team a short field. You, you really have to play mistake free because anytime you have a turnover or even a punt, you know, if you lose a drive when you're intentionally shortening the game, you, the impact of that is magnified. You, you only have so many more opportunities left. And particularly when it's against an explosive offense, like this one, you put yourself in a bad situation if you're not actually cashing in on those extended drives. So I think the opportunity is there for rice to really play this kind of game and not give the North Texas offense, the the opportunity to win the game, but it does put some pressure on them to really play a very clean game. Yeah, and that, you know, it, it's it's funny. I, I will go pull back. You mentioned that the, the rush defense for for North Texas was particularly terrible. Um, it's it's second, second worst in the conference to Middle Tennessee because Middle Tennessee had the of running in the army buzzsaw and i think they put up like nine <laughs> oh, nine million right, yeah. yards rushing uh but other than that uh if you, if you go look up you know you uh they allowed 89 yards to houston baptist which 
is is air raid as they come at, at the the FCS level. Uh, so 89 yards. Other than that, here are the uh, the rushing totals. They gave up 366 to Southern Miss. Or, sorry, I, I, I they this stats has full names. Southern Methodist. Sorry, SMU put up 366, which is somehow worse. Um, I mean, they can run the ball, but Shane Buchel is throwing all over the yard too. So, uh, Southern Southern Miss and Frank Gore Jr. put up 202 yards rushing. Charlotte 291 and Middle Tennessee 268. Holy so, crap! Yes, this running defense that is bad. It's interesting because they have they have Dion no- no- Noville in the middle and he's kind of a, a big guy that can push the pocket and is pretty disruptive uh, against the pass. And that's something that really, I don't think rice has had anybody that's really pushed the interior of the line and, and gotten up in the face of Mike Collins to kind of put him off schedule. Uh, folks have, have, have probably come around the edges and, and, and given rice more trouble than anything else uh, with blitzes and such. But uh, yeah, if <laughs> it might not matter if, Rice turns this into pulls a page out of the army playbook and says, we're going to run the ball. I mean, they've been running like 40, 45 times a game. Like easiest way to keep Jalen Darden from getting the football is to have what four or five, 14 play drives, not let North Texas touch it. Be pretty nice. I take it. Yeah. I didn't realize how bad it was. And then you were like, you were deciding and I pulled it up. I was just like, this is, this is not great. That's that is one area where you know normally you know per play statistics and things like that are kind of better to use because they control for tempo and and these sorts of things. But sometimes you you need the totals in front of you to really give yourself the picture, and that is rotten. like to every game except Houston Baptist they've given up over two hundred yards rushing. That is insane. And it's it's interesting because if you you look back to to last year, Rice really wasn't able to run the ball uh, at all uh, against North Texas. They were able to get up early and, and score a couple points, uh, but averaged two point eight yards a carry. Um, which, if you want to do what we were just talking about and have fifteen play drives, if you average two point eight yards a carry, that there's zero chance that that's happening. So oddly enough, everybody else on I'm looking at last year's everybody else on North Texas schedule in Conference USA averaged at least four, maybe four and change, except for Southern Miss, but probably five, five a, a carry, except for Rice, who is two point eight. So uh, obviously something that that needs to change. And if it does, I mean, they are going to try and lull you into a shootout but uh, if rice can avoid the shootout that's that's best case scenario because we've seen rice now go back to back 30 point games which is very nice from the rice offense uh, but i don't i don't think that this is a team constructed to win shootouts i'm encouraged that if they have to score 40 points or ice 34 uh, against Middle Tennessee to get to overtime, and and they can come back with a clutch, you know, essentially a two play seventy yard drive with twenty seconds. Like I'd love to see that. That's great that they can do it, but let's not do that <laughs> more than we have to. 
yeah, this game especially, like, exactly like you said, it, it is very nice to have an offense that can do that if it absolutely has to, which they very much did not the last few years. This game, of all of them, is not the one where you want to be putting yourself in that kind of situation. Like, this is... If the winning team in this game has 28 points, I am going to feel great about Rice's. Like, if, if you told me that in advance, I would feel great about Rice's chances because I think that's the type of game they want to play here. What What is the over-under for this game? Because I would, I would have to think that the odds would not say that uh, the winning team is going to have 28. <laughs> that seems remarkably low. Good question. Let's see. Total here is, I call it 63. So and it's basically basically a pick 'em. So they're saying thirty two, thirty one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would ta- I would take that probably. Like, you know, if if you tell me the the winning team here has under thirty five points, I feel yeah, I, I feel reasonably confident there. Like, if you tell me one team has forty, then probably not. But unless you know Rice is just lulling us all into sleep, and this is their seventy point game. Yeah, I mean, if they're if they're, you know, intercepting being every other pass and uh, this is the game where they finally start to rip off where Griffin and, and Juma start to rip off, you know, 70, 80 yard runs and they're just piling up the points, then then that's fine. I, I won't say no to that. But uh, yeah, we haven't had that yet. And that was something for. So I put this in the 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 notes for the practice notes this week for for subscribers but that was something that really has kind of impressed me at, at practice especially this week a little bit last last week as well so you know for the bulk of you know normal the normal sessions of, of practice if you want to call it that it's it's usually you know the first team offense against uh you know second team scout defense something like that and then first defense against you know the second or the scout offense so if you're having your starting offensive line go up against not your starting front seven you would expect that the starting offensive line would win and look pretty good most of the time uh, you know i feel like rice's front seven is pretty good and pretty deep so like i'll give them a couple but uh the starting offensive line should win and uh last year was a lot more contested i think it wasn't quite you know the the offense wins 95% of the time, like you would kind of assume. Uh, and, and this year it, it's been, it's been really different. And not only that, but the offensive line is getting so much push up front that, you know, this week, like Kalen and Juma weren't, you know, touched and granted, you know, they're not going full contact and trying to kill each other. So it's a <laughs> light wrap up and you're down, but they weren't touched until like four or five yards down the field. And so it's one thing not to allow negative plays and for to have a, a good seal and prevent people from getting into the backfield and hitting them at the line of scrimmage. It's another thing to move people off the ball to the degree that, you know, the running back is getting there and he's already gained four yards and he hasn't done anything but not drop the football. So, yeah, that's the one thing. And maybe we just got to use we, we have taken uh Aston Walter for for granted both of the Walter brothers because it felt like every other game he just ripped off a 70 yard touchdown and we're like and it hasn't happened in two games and I'm like where where is it <laughs> and may, maybe that's not normal but it kind of feels like in this offense it, it could sort of be normal and yeah. possibly against this defense 
I mean, because like we've we've said it before, but like we know these running backs can do that. This is literally why people knew Juma's name before the season is because he had that game against Old Dominion. And Kalen had all those huge runs in the scrimmage. Like we know these guys have the like breakaway speed to do that. And given the amount of space that the offensive line is giving him, it really only feels like a matter of time before at least one of them starts breaking those big runs. And, you know, the production they've gotten from the running game, or the quality of play they've gotten from the running game, I should say, you probably want more production in this one, given how bad the, the UNT rush defense is. But the level of play they've gotten in the last two games is is probably sufficient, given how they want to probably slow the game down and, and drag drives out. But like, uh, you know, I'm not going to complain if there's a 60 yard touchdown run in there. Yeah, sprinkle it in. Don't do all of it at once. That would <laughs> that would be crazy. But you know, it's it's funny because I I feel like we've gotten to this before because we've been same. Uh, <laughs> we don't have new data. <laughs> we yeah. have three weeks old data of what we and we of what we've seen. And and, and at this point, you know, at least I I think North Texas is. Uh, their weakness on the the rushing side of, of the defensive line that definitely dovetails with what Rice should do well. So this is a matchup that, regardless of what we do or don't know about Rice and how real the Mike Collins experience is, which I I still I haven't checked the records. He's probably still like what top fifty five, top sixty in the nation in touchdown passes. Even though, oh, yeah, I would assume, yeah, because it's bizarre. But yeah, so if you would have told me again, it's November. Uh, I guess we're halfway through November now, and Rice hasn't hasn't scored a single rushing touchdown, and their record is uh, five hundred or better, which is wild. But this should be a, a get right game <laughs> for. Uh, I, I know we have all sorts of uh, bizarre stats. I saw um, it was a, a matching stat. Was it Kent State? So somebody was posting that they're three and zero for the first time since like 1880 or something like that. I'm like, 2020 is going to have so many weird records because Kent State's probably starting their season with like what Ohio State half the time, <laughs> <laughs> not Buffalo. I guess yeah. Buffalo's. You know, we don't want to besmirch the MAC. We're not there yet, but yeah, this is a game that that Rice lines up matches up pretty well and uh you know as, as far as we can tell it should be a game that rice is is competitive in and 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 should they win uh it, it would be impactful because this would be a third consecutive conference road win and that hasn't happened for rice since uh 2012 to 2013 where it was a, a five-game winning streak in there. Uh, we talked about this a little on the Inside of the Hedges live show with, with, with Taylor. It's, it's interesting because we have talked about, Carter, the lack of, of like, you know, hatred in this <laughs> conference. Like, people just aren't upset at each other enough uh, among fan bases. Uh, this could 
could actually become somewhat of a a rivalry because Rice is five and five uh, against North Texas, and uh, won last year. And this has been a game that you know, I mean, eight of the last ten matchups have happened in the last decade. If you throw out like two random ones in the eighties, and so uh, you could actually have the the makings of a rivalry game here, which nothing helps cure the pandemic fog better than football hate. Hey, um, I, I'm all in for it. Like I, I still I still like to laugh about that time some some North Texas fans on Twitter uh, accused Rice of stealing the the winged helmets they used to wear uh, around the time <laughs> Taylor was quarterback. Of stealing those from uh, from North Texas when uh, one Rice had theirs before North Texas did, and two like Rice's were very clearly uh, a, a let's say inspired by the version that Oregon used to wear. So yeah, after I threw the receipts at them, those guys didn't didn't have any particular comeback. But uh, you know, I'm I'm good for a little little interstate interstate rivalry here, like uh. You know, I, I I can muster up more 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 gumption to 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 get into a you know little rivalry with them than than maybe UTEP or UTSA. So hey, and and at this point, if we you know Austin Trammell, his his only ten reception game of his career came uh, at North Texas. In, in 2018, that was with Wiley Green at, at quarterback. It would be so technically right now, Austin is averaging two and a half touchdowns per game, and <laughs> and Darden is is averaging only two. So uh, if Austin yeah, can get a go. couple catches, two scores against North Texas, he will maintain his rate at a <laughs> would be just be great. Like North Texas and Rice leading Conference USA receivers. Might not have been too crazy, at least with McStravick, uh, McStravick, uh, Rosner heading into the season. Uh, but with no Rosner, I, I, you know, everything this year has been a bit of a surprise. But uh, here we are. Well, all right. Uh, anything else on North Texas? Um, it, it is. Uh, it's Wednesday night, and the game is still on. So. At this point, that's about all we can say, and we will uh, we'll hope to play them, and then we'll pick up the pieces next week. If uh, if we if we don't get to see that game, or if another game happens, uh, who knows? At this point, like I'm like maybe fifty fifty that this game is going to happen. Is it weird that I'm like I'm like sixty percent confident that Rice will be playing football this weekend, and I'm like fifty percent <laughs> confident that it's going to be against North Texas? That seems about right. Yeah, I don't I don't think I will believe it until if we get to Saturday morning, and I have not heard that it's been canceled. Then then I will believe it's going to happen. But until then, uh, until then, there will be some trepidation. Yeah, and we had a couple weeks ago. What was it? Was it Syracuse and Boston College? Maybe. I think it was Syracuse. It was several weeks ago. They had to delay the, their kickoff because they were waiting for results of tests to get back. Oh, boy. Did you see that? They ended up getting negative results and were able to kick the game, but they had it on like the Jumbotron, like game delay. 
<laughs> and it was all over Twitter. I'm like, oh my goodness. Game so we have tested. To my knowledge, we have yet to have a game uh, postponed on Saturday. But uh, at this point, I think what something of like 40% of the postponements have happened in the past two weeks over the last 10 weeks. So, uh, yeah, it's not turning in the right direction. What do we say entering the season that the odds of Rice completing a, a full uh, eight game would they, would they have seven games originally on their on their schedule was uh, I think the the odds of completing a 10 game slate were like six percent at that point and Rice had doubled them and they were at 12 percent and uh, they made it three weeks in and, and that was already done so who knows how many games we get to play hopefully this weekend against North Texas and uh, regardless we will be back talking about who knows what will happen next right yeah at this point I'm not, I'm not even going to predict who the scheduled opponent is going to be next week so uh well hopefully by the time you're hearing us the game is still scheduled and hopefully we get all the way to saturday at 1 p.m and it's scheduled but uh keep your fingers crossed till then uh we'll be back next week regardless and uh rice fight this show was edited and produced by carter spires it features music from joseph mcdade